yeah, he now started a company called Marketer Hire. That's like freelance marketing uh, uh, talent. It's pretty cool. Check yeah, Josh and I are going to be reaching out to them very soon. <laughs> <laughs> PowerPoints, power lunches, conference calls, reply to all, endless meetings, constant check-ins, and so much wasted time. Are you sick of the BS? So are we. It's time to take our time back, rework the way we work, and make every call a call to action. This is a podcast for people who want to stop talking and really start connecting. This is After 12. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to After 12, 12 for 12's original podcast series that explores cool companies, brands, messages, and makers and what compels us to take notice and become fans. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, midwife, life partner, and midlife crisis, Josh Rush. Josh, give a wave. We've got, <laughs> he's like, I, I need a Xanax. We've got a great <laughs> show for you today, guys. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Uh, as the CEO and founder of Threadless, a multi-million dollar t-shirt company built on a multi-million member community of artists, Jake Nickel has been living a very simple slogan since starting the brand in 2000. Three, these three words are even more important today, people in quarantine land. Make great together. Internet, please join me in welcoming Jake Nickel to After 12. Jake, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing in these uh, these weird days of global pandemic? Um, one hour at a time. <laughs> <laughs> How many hours has it been? I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, like I'm, I'm sure, like everybody on Earth, your plans were uh, deeply uprooted uh, abruptly. So, um, what were you guys working on when the pandemic hit uh, Chicago? There. I mean, we have three main lines of business. We sell a lot of product into offline retail. We sell a lot of stuff on threadless.com. And then we also offer a platform for artists to sell under their own brand. And I mean, we were really killing it on the on all three accounts. And and our all three of those businesses have just been affected in different ways. You know, I mean, offline retail is gone. Yeah. Um, that part of our business is just dried up. And then the e-commerce business for like the first few weeks kind of fell off a bit. And then um, the artist shop side, which is the platform for artists, that's been actually hanging in there pretty well. Um, but yeah, the last few weeks, it's changed a lot. Well, it's interesting, too, because when we came to your your warehouse back in 2016 and filmed at the headquarters, you know, you guys had just launched artist shops and right. it was kind of your you know, the, the side venture pivot. Um, and it's, it's, it's nice to see that you had done that being that it's now like your revenue engine. Um, that's great. How, how, I mean, like, I guess how gradual did this thing happen in terms of, um, the retail stores Did they just, did they kind of shutter over a few weeks or was it just like that hard shutdown in Chicago and everything was done? Well, um, it did, I think everybody kind of, went over a few weeks, but the way it affected us is that the, um, the, they just stopped writing POs. So there's no more production. Like we haven't actually produced a t-shirt for an order in like two months or so for oh, wow. retail. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, 
and I guess from a retailer perspective, once they open back up to, they're still going to have all the inventory that we sold to them months ago. So it could be quite some time that um, we actually start seeing an income there again. And just give, give us an idea too. I mean, when we saw you guys back in 16, 17, your, your artist community was like a million. What, what are you guys now in terms of the Threadless community roughly? I mean, customer-wise, we've sold T-shirts to maybe five million or so people on our website, and then that's not including offline. Um, on the artist side, we have, I think, about 300,000 artists that are using our shops platform, okay. and we've had something like four or 500,000 artists submit designs to our design challenges on Threadless. Gotcha. Do you, do you think, I, this is something that, that, that comes up as we, you know, we're looking at sort of where we go from here, kind of post-pandemic, um, and... I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning. Uh, it was about Intel. I think it's Intel. Uh, you know how to use this kind of uh, pandemic-driven paranoia to continue to drive forward. Like we we've done so much in the last six weeks. Like it's like oh my god, if we would have just been working this fast, this hard, like making decisions, going for the last year, where would we be? And so, um, right. and part of that is like you know, we realize well, we don't need these certain things to to do what we thought we needed to do. So from like an artist perspective, I see this being as an opportunity for people to get more direct to artists. Um, maybe like the different channel relationships that would bring people into an artist relationship. Maybe, maybe there's fewer barriers now. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it definitely created like pure focus on what we should be doing right now. And we, we have been dabbling about like pulling back on some things that weren't working, but second, uh, this, it, it was just like, yeah, those we're not doing those anymore. No, we're going to optimize <laughs> efficiencies right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we we've all been re remote, you know, the whole company, and then we've we've like changed responsibility, like people's roles. We haven't had to let anybody go, which is great. That's um, awesome. But we have changed roles. Like a lot of our customer service team is now setting up shops for free for small businesses, like bars, coffee shops, you know, gyms. We, we started this program where um, they can all use our platform to sell merch while their places are closed. Um, and our team is actually setting those up for them. That's great. Well, I can imagine too, the, the artists themselves have more time to create different designs, right? I mean, people yeah. are all, all kind of in the same wait and see kind of mentality right now. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things we did right away is we started paying artists more. We actually lowered our base costs so that they would get paid up to 60% more for every unit sold. And we did that because we saw that a lot of artists in our community are working jobs that are being affected. They're losing their jobs. They're, or even if they are a full-time artist, they're not really getting the work right now. People aren't um, spending on that sort of thing at that at this time. So. We thought we could be helpful and yeah a lot of our artists have like channeled their energy towards making a store for, of their own you know and setting up a merch store nice That's how so did cool. how did you you i mean the big word these days is pivot it's almost as ubiquitous as transform was a couple years ago how um how did you guys make the pivot to making masks and how did you find the great cause that you have in medshare well so what happened, right, there's a moment I can remember exactly when kind of maybe a week or two into um, us being remote working, maybe it was even the first week where there was a quote going around on social media about um, how Mr. Rogers said that his mom would say, like, in times of crisis that um, you should look for the helpers. And yes. I just was like, holy shit, <laughs> I, need to know, I know exactly what I need to do. And we just 
looked anywhere we could that our business could actually be useful in this scenario to to people who really need the help. And so, um, you know, first it was the paying the artists more, helping small businesses uh, set up shops. And then with masks, we actually were not really keen on the idea of launching a mask because in the early days, it was a lot of, um, there was a lot of talk about not buying masks, right? Yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the medical workers need the masks, so don't buy masks. Yeah. Um, and that was mostly geared at medical grade masks. And then it was a few weeks ago that the CDC released the guidelines to for the public to be wearing cloth masks, right. non-medical grade cloth masks. And, you know, they actually said, don't buy the medical grade masks, buy non-medical grade cloth masks. And at we that point, we were making like... the latex masks. So uh, that's next. I, I, I suggested yeah. we do this interview with masks on, but Adam... <laughs> oh, <sure>. yeah. <laughs> I have mine right here. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but yeah, we were like, well... If we're going to do this, we don't want to really, you know, profit off of it. We want it to right. be helpful. So we we found a supplier. Finding the supplier was actually a pretty difficult part of the process because um, there's a lot of people that are trying to make masks right now, and it's it's difficult to find that. that. But um, we wanted to make sure that every mask we did sell helped get PPE to frontline workers um, and or hospital workers. Um, and MedShare, who we're donating the proceeds to for the masses, um, a company that we've been working with actually for years. There's this guy, Colin Donnell, who's an actor on, um, he was an actor on Chicago Med. Okay. And um, we were doing merch for him and all of his proceeds were going to MedShare. Um, you know, with the the doctor tying, his tagline was, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so he had all this, a lot of the ladies. <laughs> right. <laughs> So he had all his proceeds going to MedShare and we're familiar with the organization and they're exactly, I mean, they supply medical equipment globally, not just the U.S., which was important to us, too, because our communities everywhere and um, we wanted to find something that, you know, in the countries that were being affected the most and really needed the equipment, they could get it to them. So, yeah, yeah. we went with MedShare. Now, are, are the masks, are you still tapping the artist community? So they're like, you know, really design forward, design driven? Yeah, the masks. Yeah. At first, we were thinking about just launching a blank cloth mask, you know, because a lot of the T-shirt suppliers that we work with are making masks now and they have blank masks. Um, but then we found a supplier. We actually launched one mask and then the supplier kind of wasn't able to keep up. So we moved to a different supplier within 24 hours but yeah they're they're, I imagine uh, they're all... very much in demand right it's like yeah, yeah. Oh well, have you God. seen a, have you seen a, a reduction in demand or is it steady or growing? it's still extremely strong we're uh-huh. we've we've purposefully reduced the demand by not really promoting it much because we're trying to get keep our capacity up but things are things are flowing pretty well right now it's i think it's like 10 15 day how many okay. various options do you have now like how many masks have you been cutting we only have one mask option. It's kind of like this, um, it has this black trim on the outside, but we are exploring, you know, even like neck gaiters or bandanas and different sizes is important, um, stuff like that. And then how many, I mean, like how many patterns have you printed on that one, that one style of mask? Oh man, there must be uh, like maybe a hundred thousand designs to choose from. Everyone is made to order. Wow. Okay. So they, 
We're going to get a 12 for 12 on like right here. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. We, will, we will make that order today. Um, <laughs> right on. Well, I mean, you guys are kind of uniquely positioned in the sense that you are already on demand printing with your T-shirts too, right? I mean, so now yeah. everything is made to order. You found, do you have some redundancies in your suppliers? So there's several different. Yeah. Uh, okay. And a lot of our, we built the supplier network. We probably ship from maybe 30, 40 locations right now. And we try to um, ship closest to the customer as we can, you know, to reduce the, the delivery Carbon time. Shipping, so. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's nice about on demand, yeah, is you're not making inventory unless you've already sold it. So it's, I mean, very environmentally friendly. Yeah, I mean, and and that kind of again, I think what you you made that shift back in sixteen seventeen where you went to on demand with everything. Yeah, yeah, about then. Not in year sixteen seventeen, but. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to the future of twelve for twelve. BC. Far after twelve. <laughs> um, so. Tell us about Bucket Feet. So, I because we didn't really we didn't feature Bucket Feet on the show. You guys acquired Bucket yeah. Feet what 2017? Yeah, 2017. Um, and yeah, Bucket Feet is crazy because um, I mean, when we acquired them, they had just switched to an on-demand model where every shoe is made to order. And there's different ways that you can like print on a shoe. A lot of places they buy like blank shoes and then they use this vacuum sublimation printing and the quality is not great because you end up with kind of these white um, striation marks kind of where the seams are. Mm. But uh, our shoes are actually like printed and then put together after they've been printed. So the quality is insane. Um, but the Bucket Feet's been around, I think they started 2012-ish or so. Um, and for a while we were actually in the same building and I had been, yeah, I had been the founder and, and I, we know each other pretty well and we've kind of mentored each other over the years. And, um, yeah, he now started a company called marketer hire. That's like freelance marketing, uh, uh talent. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it Josh out. and I are going to be reaching out to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll work um, for marketing. Yes. So, so how is Bucket Feet doing in the wake of this uh, pandemic? Well, one of the things we did is we actually shut down the bucketfeet.com website, right? When, like maybe two weeks after the pandemic, because it was a whole separate project for us. You know, we have different launch schedules, different promotions that are running, different like social media accounts. And what we ended up doing is combining them. So right now, if you go to bucketfeet.com, there's a section within threadless.com where you buy the Bucket Feet product. Um, and we were able to merge the social accounts and stuff, which was allowed us to like refocus our, our resources, you know, on the stuff that's really working best. Wow. That's, that's an interesting, uh, the last point it's, 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 as it relates to your kind of pivot and where you guys decided to divest of certain things and continue to push other things, um, coming out of this, so like post COVID, what do you, you know, what do you see as, you know, the, you know, the best opportunity to go forward fastest, uh, versus what do you think? the long-term outlook is, you know, for, for all the different things you guys are involved with. Man, I, I, I'm right now. I can't pretend to say what it is, yeah, but tell us, Jake, I will tell say us what you know, some of my guesses <laughs> would be, I do think face masks are going to be a part of our culture for quite some time. I mean, just looking at the Illinois reopening plan, it's like a five phase plan. That's probably going to be go for like the next two years and phase four still, 
it involves wearing face masks when you go out. Yeah. Um, so I think that we have um, a lot of work still to do there. I mean, we launched them and we're, we're donating a lot, but I think, you know, new silhouettes and finding how to get the price in a better place and stuff is going to be a lot of Yeah, and work. I haven't been to Chicago since I think the last trip I took back to Chicago was right before they shut everything down mm-hmm. and, um, and we stopped traveling. But when you're out and about, I mean, are people pretty much wearing face masks all the time? Is it like 80-20? I'd say it's like 60, 40, or 40% are, are wearing the masks. Ah, okay. Um, I mean, when I'm at that grocery store, every 100%. Yeah. But when you're walking on the sidewalk, not. And, and how many of those people would you say are like fashion forward with their mask game? <laughs> it's probably starting to change. That's a good I mean, question. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would. <laughs> there's, a of, uh, there's a lot of bad masks out there. You know, step up your mask. I mean, I was at the grocery store this morning and the people working there, the people wearing masks, I, I'd say it was mostly like, homemade, um, not a lot of like disposable medical grade masks. It's mostly, you know, stuff that people, a lot of people were just wearing scarves or like neck gaiters from winter kind of right. things like that. Adam's been wearing a brown paper bag over his head. I've been wearing the, uh, the face mask from Sub-Zero of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh, nice. No, that's, that's awesome. The it's guy, funny because my, my son was like, everyone's a ninja now. Like, yeah, they well, are ninjas. So J- Josh Sue is, was the actor who played Sub-Zero in Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat. Oh, and wow. he came to our uh, office the other day, gave a, a talk. He just did a documentary called Insert Coin. Wow. And it's wow. funny that you mentioned that. That's, that's so funny. <laughs> now you have to do a Sub-Zero mask. I think you owe it to him. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, on that note, like, okay, Josh's question, what do you think the, the future of retail is? Like, you know, I mean, yeah. I just, what do you think, I guess, just sector by sector, what do you think is going to happen to brick and mortar if everybody is, you know, kind of tenuous in terms of they have to wear a mask, they're wearing gloves, or, you know, right now, two-thirds of, of the, the new infections are people that say they, they're getting it from transit, either, you know, subway or public transportation, or going mm-hmm. to the grocery store. And to me, like, when did the grocery store become the most dangerous place in your neighborhood? Right. It's like, I yeah, it's wild. I mean, I think you'll probably see a lot of uh, it'll be a slow, slow rolling <laughs> reopening of, you know, restaurants where you're six feet apart. You know, it's only half full. Um, I think you'll see a lot more like ordering online and then picking up from the store um, or picking up from the restaurant. Um, well, and that's what they say too. Like even restaurants have become like local, you know, small neighborhood grocery stores. And I, I, yeah. I would say that as far as that goes, I mean, they could be local retailers of anything. Um, you, you know, just as everybody's trying to scramble to figure out how to, how to stay afloat or how to get ahead. Um, yeah. I think the rethinking retail is, is meaning to rethink everything that we know about it. I would say. Yeah. I mean, there's retailers that we work with that have said that they may not even try to reopen their stores and they're just going to focus on e-commerce going forward. Wow. And that's huge. Yeah. I mean, malls, <laughs> we work with a lot of mall stores and, um, actually some mall stores are starting to open up as of last week. And I've, I saw, you know, in different areas in Texas and stuff like that. Um, which I think, I don't think is a great idea <laughs> right now. Um, the United States of America. 
We'll edit that out for all of the uh, <laughs> folks at home who who hate me anyway. I mean, I like I just I feel like um, you know there's there's two sides of this argument, right? And Josh and I got into this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there's the one side where, where you look at what Sweden is doing, and you know it's um, it's this uh, inoculation by mass infection, by you know a chickenpox party with this virus. The pathogen is in the system of every man, woman, and child. Um, you build immunity, and your immune system is really what what should come to the fore right now. And I totally agree with, agree with that. But on the other side, when you know a small percent of the population has an extremely you know high morbidity or mortality rate with regard to the pathogen, you're just like is it worth the tens of thousands of people who are inevitably going to die in order to reach herd immunity? And I mean, the fact that like, that's what politicians are rolling the bones on to me is, I mean, where, where are we as a species? You know, that's a, that's a big question. And very I mean, well, and a lot of it is about, I mean, the point of the flattening of the curve, right, is to keep the hospitals from being overrun because maybe we won't lose that many people if they have a chance to get to like an ICU. Yeah. Well, at least yeah. McCormick Place never became a full on, you know, ICU. And that there are yeah. some things that that I think I, I guess are, are positive, too, where it's like I mean, it could have been a lot worse and maybe it will be, you know, and, and get to that point. But. You know, I saw the other day that that uh, they were clearing out McCormick and talking about trying to hold the first events there in July, or at least being ready to hold events there in July, which is like, uh, I mean, well, I believe when I see it, but at least it's not a full-blown hospital, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, well, uh, yeah. Is that because we didn't need it or is it because we did the, we did the right thing with, you know, people who it, were staying at home? We'll, we'll find out in the next 60 days, I guess. With every threadless mask, you get a, a, a antibody test. <laughs> so, right. Something like I mean, I mean, if you if you could, you know, have like an antibody test that in two minutes to, told you that two minutes told you that you you had already succumbed and you're, you're immune to it. I mean, think about mm -hmm. the way people would operate. Um, it's funny to think of like prevention instead of taking a more offensive stance, where it's like, okay, we're going to. We're going to test. Um, it's it's amazing too to me to see like how it's affected not just you know one sector but kind of every sector of um, of industry right now and and the the companies that are are doing well are you know the the packaged goods the food companies the companies that you know deliver food or or services. Um, and it's just it's just such a bizarre time in history when you're like the number one seller is the face mask or hand sanitizer or Clorox wipe or toilet paper. Yeah. It's, I mean, it so wild. on that note, have any of your artists been been making designs that are kind of like you know highlighting or or uh, echoing the zeitgeist of this weird time in history? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of designs that are just like, stay away from me, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> if you can read this, you are too close. Or, right, right, right. I mean, the one I have, so it's from my favorite webcomic, and it just says, oh, no. Are those just single ply, too? I mean, no, like, they're two ply. They're, they're two ply. Yeah, two layers. But like, what well, I mean, can you put a can you put a carbon filter like a we uh, don't have a pouch for a filter? No, okay. we're okay. Yeah, but I bet you're working on one. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that's another thing where in the, early on we didn't want to encourage the, that because we didn't want right. people buying that product that hospital workers need. But I've heard you can put like a coffee filter in there and it yeah. works well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just put fear in mine. <laughs> right yeah. It works great. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So in the in the wake of this tragedy, there have been many, many silver linings. I mean, the environment, families have gotten closer. Life has kind of gotten slower. Um, I've, I've been nicer to my kids, I think. Right, guys? <laughs> um, for the most part. How about for you guys? I mean, what's going on with you personally, Jake, and you and Shandi and the family? What What kind of silver linings have you noticed during this time? You know, I feel pretty lucky that my family's been staying safe and healthy. We had a little bit of a scare where we were getting sick early on, and it was like, oh, how can we go get a test? And um, my wife was able to get tested eventually, and we didn't have it, which was great, but that was a little scary for a moment there. Um, Definitely having the kids at home doing remote learning has its pros and cons, you know. Um, It's harder to really get, like, heads-down time working for uh, an extended period of time, but I feel good. I feel lucky that my kids are 10 and 12, which is like, I mean, they're pretty independent. They don't require a lot of, you know, hands-on, uh, interaction to do their schooling and stuff. Um, how, how about cool. your, how about your, your energy level at home? Do you find like this? I mean, I, to, if I were to oh, say, yeah. have you been stressed? I know the answer. It's just like, what are you, how do you manage the stress and not let that kind of creep its way into your, your home and your office and, Yeah, I think I have been channeling a lot of that energy into my work, you know, trying to like dive in and um, I've been trying to write a lot more about um, the things that are happening around. Um, I had this idea to write a book like years ago um, that was around the, I did this TED talk called Never Stop Making and it was just a bunch of different reasons about why making things is so important and I wanted to turn that into a book where each chapter is about a different topic related to making and now i'm turning that into a newsletter so um, oh, that's awesome. i'm planning nice. to send out my first one today <laughs> awesome well, you, you once you once said uh that that i think when we on, on the episode we feature you you talked about fear and um for you it was always the fear was uh the fear of not going for something the, the fear of not doing it and um I mean, it sounds like the book has a lot to do with that as well i'm just curious where fear what role fear plays for you right now yeah, I feel like when you're scared of something, you kind of hesitate, you know, and then if you if you hesitate, then you're not going to do that thing. Right. And so I think it, it really helps you or it prevents you from doing from like getting over that hump that you need to get through. Right. Um, but sometimes I'll use like I remember one of the first examples I could think of is like when I had this idea to, for designers to um, create T-shirts, I posted a thread on this forum that saying that I'm going to do it, even though I had no idea how I was going to do it. Um, but I had this fear of like letting those people down that actually drove me to do it <laughs> because I pro- made a promise that I was going to. You, you know, should so maybe you can they, use they blame you for the 20 year anniversary of <laughs> yeah, right. ending in pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I flipped my party. fears to motivate me. Right. I feel that I feel the same way. Yeah. And, and, and in these, these last, you know, couple of months and Adam and I always joke, it's like, man, I've never worked twice as hard for half as much and, and it's okay. You know, I mean, it's, that's the thing we find with this. It's like, yeah, this, I thought, you know, you're scared. You don't know what it's going to be. And you realize that everything's okay still, you know, just got to, you know, put in the work. Well, I mean, what is the most resilient parasite bacteria, a virus, an intestinal worm, an idea, 
Resilient, highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks right there somewhere. That's Christopher Nolan from Inception. And I think of that, you know, you had an idea, you, you know, you, you made this idea in 2000 come to reality. I mean, it's amazing what you can do. I, I, I don't worry about the virus or getting sick or the resiliency of the human spirit. I, you know, I just, I, I think it's the process, just getting through and realizing what, what, what matters, you know, and I yeah. think... I think that's yeah. the most. Let's, let's a hug. Let's bring it in and hug it out. Let's <laughs> virtual hug. <laughs> not kiss. Not kiss. I miss yeah, hugging, I think, man. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, that making ideas happen is the hard part, right? It's easy to come up with them, but um, actually getting them out there is it can be kind of overwhelming sometimes. That's a good promotion for twelve for twelve. We got to keep getting. <laughs> Well, we, prom- we promised we had watchers. There's nobody. There's people watching this. <laughs> well, Jake, I mean, you're doing it, and it and it's uh, it's amazing. Twenty years after you started, um, pandemic be damned. Um, it's always great catching up with you and, and talking with you. And um, I, I can't wait to see where you guys go from here. I know, you know, that no no bug is gonna it's gonna bug you. Especially, <laughs> especially yeah. with your shirt. What does your shirt say? Let everyone see. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Who, me? Um, <laughs> thanks for being on the show and for all of you at After 12 Internet Land. Join us next time and click to subscribe. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>